DJ and PK, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to talk basketball with our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. Steve joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Uh, Steve, we've got uh, two stories coming together right now. And I'm just thinking, man, if you are a coach and you had to deal with these two things... <laughs> it's so what percentage of the job is about X's and O's and what percentage of the job is psychology and dealing with other people from administrators to assistant coaches to high school coaches to players you know I, excuse me I think that once you have established a system and how you're going to either prepare for a game how you're going to prepare for practice the things you're going to do physically the system you're going to run offensively and defensively most of that is done in the off season, and you come prepared to camp, ready to you know to put in that system and then develop a culture around it that's going to be successful. However, you know, think a few things happen. Got a little something in my throat here. A few things, <coughs> excuse me, are happening there. Number one, uh, the performance by players uh, is either where you like it or you don't like it, and so you're doing things daily to help them get better through skill development or things team-oriented. But when, when things get together and you're moving forward and you're preparing to play games, the most important thing is the relationship with your guys and their understanding of who they are and what their role is. And I think that the toughest thing about coaching is the ever-changing roles of players and how you manage that. You know, that that management of the role of a player and how they'll be used and what they're doing can change. It can change from week to week sometimes, depending on their performance. Or uh, the surprises that come to a coach when a, maybe a younger player or a transfer comes in when you didn't think they could make the kind of contribution that they could make. Now you're having to manage those things. So, honestly, uh, the fun part, the, the, the really fun part is preparing a plan and plugging in your guys and watching them execute it. But down the road, for the team to reach its full potential, they have to stay bought into that. And that, that can be challenging because things are ever-changing with injuries, people not performing well, maybe some team issues, culture issues where guys aren't getting along. So I think if we're doing what we're supposed to do, we're spending more time on the intangibles as assistants and especially and as head coaches than we are the actual game preparation because we know that's a given. There's a time for it. It's a place for it. We know what we're going to do. The intangibles become the difference between being a good team and a great team. So the two stories I'm referencing here, one, the NBA with the draft moved to October 16, has set the date to withdraw as October 6. So there could be some coaches who won't really know who's on their roster until the morning of October 7th. That's a problem. And then players on social media, and obviously there's a lot of social issues. There's a lot of racial issues out there. Donovan Mitchell uh, looks like he's upset. Now we're not talking to him, so we're trying to go off of uh, you know the tone of, a, of posts on social media. But it looks like he's upset. And to have players on social media, to have players who can jump in the transfer portal at any time, to be looking at uh, October 7th, you find out one of your star players is leaving for the draft or has decided not to leave and is staying. It, it seems like coaching is less about X's and O's than ever before. Oh yeah. No, no question. And I think the uniqueness of this time 
and the circumstances. The environment and circumstances are usually pretty predictable year in and year out. You kind of know the time of the year, you're staying in touch, and there's always uh, evidence during the course of a year, especially with elite players, whether they're going out or not. I mean, you will be very foolish not to talk about those things. I mean, you have to talk about those things. There can't, that can't be the big ele- you know, elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about. You've got to be talking to the player. You've got to be finding out where their goals are, talking to their parents, where do you see this, and, and, and give them as much education as you can so it doesn't become personal and confrontational. I can't imagine not really knowing, you know, who's there. Because the other thing that's very difficult is they're not out recruiting. I mean, they can't be out. And they may make, make some adjustments here in the, in the next few weeks or something. But to not be able to recruit uh, and really have an idea who's out there who may be able to replace. Now, there is the transfer portal. Everybody's been active in that. And they've used that as a resource for filling in for guys that might go, you know, into the league or at least – think they're going to go there in the last minute if they choose not to. So the that environment and circumstance for college basketball is really, really hard on coaches. And, uh, and I suspect even the players not knowing exactly who's coming back. But if I'm in that situation and I know I've got a special player or two, you know, I'm having my guys. I'm having the players. We're doing everything we can to get them to stay here and be part of something special and take another year. Let's get to the tournament. And you know what? Young people can be really influential, and even more so than coaches and even more so than parents or an AAU coach. They have good friendships and have good relationships. Uh, man, I'm pushing all those buttons right now. It looks like I'm going to be losing people that six months ago, you know, I thought they were going to be with us. So that's not great timing for college. I'm sure the NBA would have much rather have it be differently as well. But... Uh, I think, to be honest with you, that because of a lot of the unknown, that guys are maybe going to be more likely just to say, you know what, I'm going to wait until things get more normal. I mean, I, I don't know what's going to go on. Now, I, I can play another year of college. I can have a good year. There'll be a draft next year, you know, hopefully, you know, uh, in the summer like we normally have it. Um, I, I think it, it lends itself to maybe, as a college coach, uh, putting you in a position where you might get, get a guy to stay because of all of the surrounding issues and challenges going on in our world. So we definitely know that this year and the upcoming draft in the fall is on, all unusual. But, you know, at some point we hope that it will get back to normal, as you say. I look at the situation of what's going on in college athletics, and they're trying to make rules now to benefit the players and the athletes more, and I'm all for that. As I look at basketball, putting your name in and then, you know, you don't get drafted or you do get drafted, whatever. I'm wondering if we could do a thing like baseball in terms of you don't really have to put your name out there. They take you or they don't take you, and then you don't have to make a decision. I'm going to declare, and then you can decide. You sign If you're an incoming freshman, you sign a letter of intent in November, and the draft is in June. And then you can evaluate, do I want to go to school, whatever, or do I want to go sign with this team that's drafted me? And then I get to decide. Where in uh, basketball, they don't have that decision. 
to be able to make. I would like to see them go forward, even if it means some roster fluctuation and some doubt, giving the player the freedom and his family to decide what to do once they have all the information as opposed to I've got to put my name out there and I stay in a draft and I don't get drafted or I don't like where I'm going, but I've lost my college eligibility. As a coach, do you think there's a way to smooth that over like they do with the college baseball situation? I, I, I like that thought um, for a couple of reasons. One is that it, it, it takes a lot of the elements out of it. I mean, it's kind of like you got so many individuals and entities influencing young people in college basketball, okay, from their aunt and uncle to a high school coach to an AAU coach to an agent that's a friend of an agent. I mean, it, it is the waters are muddy. And you hear all these voices, okay, and trying to make decisions, which is a distraction, uh, which can impact how they play and perform and their confidence level. I, I completely agree with you that take it all out of their hands. Take it all out of their hands. Everything's clear and transparent. This is what it is. And uh, if David James is, uh, you know, the 6'2 point guard that we want, then, and we're, we're going to let him know that he's, he's one of those people, and, and we're going to move forward. Uh, I think the, the cleaner and the more transparent and open you can be, the less misunderstanding that takes place. And when misunderstanding takes place and people don't know where they fit and what they're going and whose agenda is this and whose agenda is that, you, you just you create a really toxic environment. And, and what happens is people's feelings get hurt. <clears throat> and a parent is upset with the coach or – uh, a teammate is upset with a guy who seems to be more interested in the next level than maybe helping this team win 25 games and get into the tournament. All of that kind of innate selfishness is really destructive to, to a team. And, 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 you know, more than just the culture of the team, but destructive in all ways. And so you want to, you just want to push away all of that and let those that are in charge take care of that and free the minds up of these guys and these parents and let them be more realistic in what's going to take place. I, I agree with you, Pat. I, I just think that it makes it a better workplace. It makes the environment better. The experience is better. And there's not all of this stress. I mean, you know, I'm around young people a lot, and it, it is incredible. And I don't think it matters where you live, but this is a generation of young people who have a lot of anxiety. And that are struggling with things and on their self worth, <clears throat> and and it's it's not just in, you know, it's not uh, a Hispanic thing, an African American thing, a white thing, an Asian thing. I mean, it's all peoples. I can't speak for people outside of our country, but I've been around young people enough that I've never seen uh, young people so kind of misunderstood and trying to figure themselves out and trying to figure out where they fit. And it does cause anxiety, and there's an uneasiness. And you can't perform well when you have all that going on and you have all those noises from the outside. And so, yeah, you know what? Uh, I like that idea, Pat. But the second thing is that coaching staff, that support staff, the all the people that work in that program, the 30 or 40 men and women that work in a, in a collegiate basketball, they all got to be on the same page. You know, what I've seen is I've gone around and watched programs you got a trainer telling guys something in the training room. you got an assistant coach who recruited a kid. It's his guy. 
you know, that, that gets real personal, and that's really, really not good for, for a team environment. And you have all of these little mini relationships going on, and they're all destructive. you got to get everybody on the same page. And, of course, that starts with the head coach. And, and initially, it should start with an athletic director that defines what a culture should look like and how we're going to go about doing this. And then each individual coach does it in his own unique way. But when you don't have that, uh, and you have so many misunderstandings, oh, it, 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 it makes me tired just thinking about it, you know. And and it's not how you want to run a program. So any rule, any system that can simplify things for these young people, I'm all for. I think you hit on a key word there, anxiety. Uh, so yeah. I'm I've still got a teenager. I've got a kid in high school, and I mean if. If I start telling you everything she's told me, she'd <laughs> slash my tires. So, <laughs> so I can't go into it. But that word anxiety, and not just about her, but about uh, what her friends are going through. Uh, and I was a, I thought I was aware that there was a lot of anxiety out there. And then she told me stuff. And man, I just, I mean, I seriously need a couple of days to recalibrate and go, wow, there is way more anxiety than I knew. Can you kind of paint a picture i mean where where does that come from how deep does it run how much does it impact athletics because it impacts everything can you explain that to people who aren't in the middle of it because i should be in the middle of it and realized i wasn't on more than one occasion well in one sense you are in the middle of it because you are very involved in social media and uh whether it's instagram social media facebook and those kinds of things and the value of a like, the value of, of a recognition. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I get on, you know, Instagram with with my friends and, and families. You know, man, have you ever sat there and just watched, you know, this family who are individual, they're, you know, they're in Tahiti or someplace, they're having a great time, and, you know, I'm watching all these things, and, I'm, man, I got no life, you know? I got no life. <laughs> and I'm seeing all these people having these amazing experiences, and, you know, how much they love this and that, and all the recognition. Well, you take a 17 or 18-year-old young man or young woman or younger, and, I, and I'm dealing with 18 to 25-year-olds. I'm dealing with about 140 of them. And so I'm talking to them all the time. And their self-worth oftentimes comes down to a like or a dislike or what they look like. Now, how that evolves, and, and you know, just you just got to go back to the computer and, and see how this, this whole thing's evolved. But these kids are on those devices and phones, you know, and I have grandchildren. I talk to my children and, and, and I, I'm a firm believer that the, you know, the phone goes off at night and at a certain time with, you know, I'm not talking about 19, 20 year old kids. I mean, that hopefully can responsibly use those things, though they're probably not. <clears throat> but if I'm raising young children again, you know what, I'm being really, really stingy with that thing and, and that access to that because it is that, that culture of, of where we get our self-worth from is, is not from a phone. It's not from an app, but, but that's what's happening. And personal relationships, conversations, uh, they don't happen. And we, we know that. It, it, it's well documented. People talk about it all the time. You know, a family can sit at the dinner table and we're going to go out to dinner and uh, – we're at uh, Bahio's having a taco, and not one word is said other than the eating and on the phone. And I, you know, I, I, I had that happen in my home, and I just I said, no, <laughs> we're done with that. Put the phones down. But that is 
what does trigger some of that anxiety. It's not the only thing, but, you know, I think there are a lot of things in life where there's expectations. And when expectations aren't met, we feel insecure. And, and, you know, I have two or three very, very close friends that are therapists. I constantly seek their counsel on things because I, I don't understand you know, the best way to approach this or that. And, and, and talking to young people. And I think the great communicators are going to you know, the great coaches are going to be great communicators. If you can't communicate at a, at a really high level and your staff can't do that, then you're going to struggle. You're going to have a lot of portal people in and out of that portal. And because you have to see what is real. And we live in a real world right now where there's sudden injustice. There is, it's a real world where there's panic, where there's a pandemic. And all of this lends itself to the unknown. I, I, I'm dealing with kids right now that can't even go to school. They're trying, well, what am I going to do? What's going to happen next? You know, we just got to take this day to day. Well, we would be foolish to think that's not happening in college football, or college basketball, or in the NBA. I mean, it, it became, it's pretty obvious from a few of my friends in the league how these young NBA players, that, that social media platform is, is as important as their jumper? Is it important as their contract? I mean, <laughs> it, it's, we get caught up in all of this and forget what's really important. We come back to relationships. So, yeah, you know what? I, I, I know your daughter's struggling with things because, you know what? My 15-year-old granddaughter who just moved to Utah from, from California, I mean, I had to sit down, and, and, and she has loving, great parents. But it was a chance for me to sit down with her and just get her to breathe. This is going to be okay. You, you, are, you are good, <laughs> you know. But we're, we're doing a lot more of that than we've had to do in the past, and that's because of the environment we've created with uh, all of this technology and social media. Uh, man, parents need to spend more time talking to their kids. I mean, talking to your kids. And we get really busy. we got things we think are more important, but nothing's more important than our kids. And uh, that's, that should be the message to the world. I, I want to share with you, I was, you, you know who uh, Ferret is on the Golf Channel? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you yeah. know, and he, and he does his Ferret show, and I mean, some people may not know that, but he's on the Golf Channel, and he's always interviewing anyone. He interviews golfers, he interviews celebrities. I watched an interview of uh, Bill Russell. It, it was eight years ago. And uh, they were having a conversation about race and different things. And Charity, he's, I think he's from Ireland, you know, and he's, but he's an American citizen now, white guy sitting there. And he goes, he says, you know what? You know, he says, I don't know what to do. I mean, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not a racist. I don't, I don't have even thoughts like those kinds of, that's not what I'm about. And he says, okay, I know that. And so he turned to him and said, what do I do? And he was feeling really anxious about this and, and not knowing the right thing to do. And Bill Russell turned to him and said, bring your children together and teach them to be kind. And when you teach them to be kind and you show an example of kindness in your home to your wife and to your children, as these children grow up, they will understand what kindness looks like and feels like and should be. That will be the first step to eliminating racism. 
where we can be kind to everyone. And, you know, I don't even know why I was, I was probably just channel flipping, trying to find some sports thing on TV, hoping Golf Channel had something going on. And it was just a two or three minutes. And I thought, what a great message. What a great message that we can do that. And uh, listen, this is Sports Talk Radio, but everybody listening to your show has someone in their family struggling with anxiety or health issues or whatever it might be or just not being good enough and people being bullied and all the things and all the racist things going on. That wears on your soul. And I know when I've had, you know, as a coach, you know, you, you have anxiety. You do have nerves and things, and you have to learn how to control it. But I think you've got to make sure that you're, you're in control of that environment so that you can help young people and, you know, deal with those things and, and, and really, you know, everybody wants a platform. And, 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 and certainly I get all the platforms that are out there. But just being kind to one another pretty much takes care of it all. And we really have a hard time doing that because of jealousy and selfishness and all the things that tear teams apart and tear families apart, lack of trust. So if I'm a coach today, I'm spending a lot of time on the intangibles just because I know if I can succeed there and get them thinking differently and feeling good about themselves, I got a better chance to get the most out of them and help them to reach their full potential. Steve, as always, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on with us. You bet, guys. Take care. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Basketball is back. The Zone Sports Network is keeping you up on all the latest news with the Utah Jazz in the NBA. This is a back-to-basketball update. Oh, he never looked at the net! Presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The Chinese Basketball Association resumed their season after a five-month shutdown due to the COVID-19 pandemic over the weekend. All 20 teams playing. A limited amount of venues used to reduce travel. There's fewer international players and no fans in the stands. Potential early entry candidates for the 2020 NBA draft will have until August 17th to declare that they're entering the draft. Any player who already submitted paperwork before the draft's original deadline of April 26th does not need to apply. The NBA set its deadline to withdraw from the draft now as October 6th. That's 10 days before the October 16th draft. This back-to-basketball update is presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, the Zone, and the Zone Sports Network. The NBA, forget it. Because the NBA is the easiest of the bunch because you have the fewest number of players you have the easiest arena with the, the, the fewest amount of issues in terms of just getting the place going. You just need a gym. I mean, you just need a gym and a bunch of cameras. If you can't do it with these guys, how are you going to do it with the like hundreds of people involved in running a college football team? That's Pete Futak. 
course, the college football news. How can college football restart? How can the NFL start if the NBA can't? Well, right now the NBA is on track to do it. So we'll have to see how this all plays out for the NBA when they head down to Florida. July 7th, we're coming up on that, PK. We're about two weeks out from uh, all of the NBA heading down there to Orlando. Yes, we are. Thank you for that calendar update. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for that. I understand his point. If the NBA can't do it, which has the smallest number when you're just you're literally just dealing in numbers and the confinement there. So Pete's point is well taken. And it does make me nervous. Yeah, obviously, I think all of us want to see sports return if for no other reason that, uh, well, for me, I'm a competition junkie, always have been. And, you know, there's other reasons if you want to go down that road, social ramifications and bringing people together. You know, if you choose to, if you don't want to, that's your choice, too. But just for the sake of fun and entertainment. And I am I'm more nervous today than I was last week and so forth the week before and. If they can't do it, how can the others do it? Uh, because it, it 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 gets real, you know, it gets real, man. If we don't have these things, and if we don't have the start of college football, especially in our community, man, our community. It's one of the reasons why I love working here. Is that uh, I've always enjoyed college football. For me personally, I've always enjoyed college football more than the NFL. And if we don't have it, it's a big blow, and our community loves it. We're we are call this is this college this community here uh, really for the size of our community i can say it is more intense about college football than any market in the pac 12 eugene i said the size of the market though it's much yeah, bigger okay. so port you'd have to go to portland for that and yeah. P- portland wouldn't be as intense Right. So, you, you, yeah, Eugene obviously is, is big time there with the University of Oregon, having been there on game day and all that stuff. Yeah, I get that. But it's a smaller community down the road from the major metropolitan area. Here, it's right in the major metropolitan area. Now, when SC has it going on, you know, that's, that's really big time <laughs> because we've, we've all been there. I've been there through different generations I was in there, Pete Carroll's glory years. I covered games there, working here. And then I lived down there when they had it going on in years past. And that's pretty big time. So, you know, you got to consider that. Uh, but if, if it slacks off a little bit, uh, you can see, you, as you've mentioned several times with the Bruins this year, they were practicing social distancing before they even knew about it in some of their home games. I mean, there's just nobody in that expansive Rose Bowl Stadium. We have interest, particularly on the BYU side. It would be interesting on the Utah side. But we have great interest in BYU win or lose. I'm wondering if it would be that case for Utah. No. You just flat out no, huh? Well, you want definitive off the fence, I'm off the fence. No. Well, fine. Yeah, no, if fine. They lose, yeah, not saying if I'm... they lose, it empties out. And I got to say... BYU football, um, you know, we we think we've seen a bottom out, but we haven't seen a bottom out. I know that people have been tremendously uh, disappointed with some of the seasons they've seen, right? Gary Croton had the three straight losing seasons. One of them was a four-win season. But it hasn't truly bottomed out. Follow a team that goes 2-10. and ten. Yeah, I think BYU did bottom out. 
at seven and six because last year. Not, well, no, oh, no, 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 not Kalani, the Croton at time. Oh, the Croton. Not now. No, 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 definitely not now. Yeah, but those are still, I mean, no. they're, they're still, Croton had five win yeah. seasons. If they can't I know, get worse but, than that. But see, I would, what I'd factor in, you're just going football record. I can remember doing stories for the Watchdog because of the off the field stuff that was just horrendous. Yeah. And I can remember talking to people and quoting people. So you had the losing, and then you had the honor code stuff that seemed like it was such high profile at the time, and people were going crazy. So I think the combo, maybe they could have worse records, but when you're having, and a lot of it, I can't even remember all of it, was multiple situations with sexual assault. That type of stuff at all places at BYU, I mean, any place it's horrific and shouldn't happen, obviously. BYU, their fans were going nuts. And the passion that we experienced on our show, because we were doing the show all those three years that were the losing seasons, the passion of the BYU fans was really showing through. Now, it wasn't necessarily related specifically to people in the stands, but the amount of attention that it was drawing, and it was all negative passion because everything around the program at that point was negative, but people were coming out of the woodwork. It wasn't apathetic at all. In fact, it was raising the intensity. Now, it was on the negative scale, but, man, it was very impressive. And the amount of alumni, former players that I had access to and were speaking to me about it it was off the charts. So, in a sense, even though it was dark times, it was impressive the amount of passion for the football program that it had. So the key thing there is after three years, that passion and a new coach and the program rallied, and there were some very good years after that. There were some huge wins, dramatic wins over the Utes, nationally ranked teams. If the next hire hadn't worked and had gotten beaten down some more, because they were starting to hemorrhage fans, they started having crowds of, you know, there were 50,000 people there instead of 63,000. Would it have dropped to 40? Would it have dropped to 30? I guess we'll have to see if BYU goes through a 10-year dry spell. But with the Utes, uh, I just look at what's happened in basketball. I mean, four years removed, five years removed from a Sweet 16, four years removed from a, a second round. You know, those were a couple pretty good Ute teams, and the program was on its way up. And now it looks like, depending on the game, there's, you know, four or 5,000 people, you know, butts in seats. Um, so I think if if... I mean, I don't think Kyle's going to put together four bad years, right? So the question is, no. when Kyle's done, which he's in his 60s, so that's you know sooner rather than later, I would assume, but uh, when he's done, the next coach doesn't get away the way the basketball program got away after Majerus. They'll hang for a while because the Utah basketball fans hung for a while. Um, I guess really the question is, how quickly... Can a fan base get beaten down? You know, how fragile is it? So from that regard, I think BYU sitting on 40 years of success will weather the storm for a while longer than Utah will sitting on, you know, roughly 25 years of success. I guess BYU is actually sitting on 50 years of success, um, you know, versus Utah sitting on 25 or 30 years of success. So I think it takes longer to beat it down, but I think any fan base can be beaten down if the thing's mismanaged for long enough. I think it can, yeah. I can't argue with that. Uh, I don't foresee that. I think that Utah basketball, to an extent, is fortunate that Utah football has been up. Yeah. Because I think it's taken away some of the attention 
the way it normally would have been if Utah football had been down, say it had been you know, for the 70s and 80s when it was, wasn't much of a winning program. Well, now... It's a big-time winning program, you know, nationally ranked in the college football playoff and all that stuff. So I think that takes some of the attention out of it, although I – actually, you are stronger about it. I'm not to the point of dumping Larry yet. I, I, I want to see – I think he can succeed, uh, and I want to see him get that opportunity. You're a little quicker to pull the trigger on that, and that's fine. That's your call, and my call is to have – patience but i also having said that recognize that patience really really is running out and boy if they have another disappointing season you know a losing season no less man then gosh people are going to come out of the woodwork there and they say enough is enough uh the football deal okay you can only have so much unless they had really big time success i mean i don't know comparing it to like alabama I've actually been down to Alabama and covered a game the Utes played down there several years ago, and there was a fair amount of passion, but I probably think they slide a little bit uh, because of the football team being so good that there isn't that much attention or concern or passion there. Or maybe it's like reverse for, for Kansas. And their football program, by and large, has sucked for so long, but their basketball program is has been really, really good. You know, one of the what, arguably the top five in the country. So you got that going on there. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Utah basketball uh, and how much how much is enough, basically. Well, I think you got two different things. One, under normal times, uh, I think three years of missing the NCAA tournament in a row is enough to get you let go and enough to get Larry let go. Now, because his contract was a seven-year deal and there's four years left, that seemed like a lot of money, so you give him one more year. That was this past year. So that's four straight years. But as much as I would say in normal times, yes, I got to say, if I were the AD this year, I would not have fired him. I wouldn't. And in normal times, sure, but I think a buyout now with all the financial issues they're facing, that money can be better used for other stuff. Now, maybe there's a booster out there who would pony up for this and for nothing else. Uh, but I think usually those pots of money get mixed. And you really need that booster to pony up for some other stuff. So I get why they're bringing him back. And I, I can't guarantee it. You know, if they miss this year, as you point out, if this year doesn't go any better, if they're just a little over 500 and, you know, not, not in the NCAA picture again, that would be five straight years. And normally that would absolutely be it, but I can't guarantee what their financial situation is going to look like and whether paying that buyout would be a good idea. You know, it's smaller, so maybe it would be, but uh, I I don't think I want to crawl out on that limb right now, not having any idea what this next year is going to look like. Uh, You know, for donors, uh, for season ticket sales, you know, what's going to happen with football? Uh, uh, Things come out on Twitter here just in the 9 o'clock hour here, PK, that... um, Iowa has cut off uh, football ticket sales and people are trying to read into that. What does that mean? You know, and there's a group of people uh, overreacting on social media, pretty sure that it means there won't be football. There's another group saying, well, they've got enough renewals now and they know their stadium isn't going to be more than 20, 30, 40% full, whatever it's going to be. And that they're already past that mark. So they've just cut off renewals because one thing, because ADs need another headache at this point is deciding who gets to use their tickets and not. 
that could be very political. You know, you've donated money, but you've been a season ticket holder for four, uh, for uh, 40 years. Um, so there's all kinds of, you know, it could be quite the bigger. And so to just cut it off, uh, you don't have season tickets. You didn't re-up first and let that be one of the things that sorts out who they let into the stadium and who they don't. I know exactly what it means. I have a neighbor who's 70 years old, a longtime season ticket holder, and he asked me that very question. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, here's the way it works. Since you're 70, you get to go to the first half of every game, and then you have to leave. <laughs> okay. How do you take Which that? Which would make sense on those late-night games. Yeah, I know. He's you don't a- stay up as later when you're older, right? That's the theory. So that's the way they're going to do it. Yeah. yeah. So and at all, all games that start after 8 o'clock – so, uh, what would you say, 60, 65, 70 and older, you get to go to the first half. And then you go home, and then the younger crowd comes in the second half. I do wonder, uh, you know, based on whatever the coronavirus thing looks like, if the uh, if older season ticket holders are just going to opt out and say, I don't want to use my tickets and make the decision for the schools. That might save them some headache as they try to figure out who gets to go to games and who doesn't based on whether they're letting in ten or 20 or 30,000 or whatever it is. All right, DJ and PK, there you go. That's a lot of the stuff we've been talking about during this show, brought to you by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals online at lhmdeals.com. Your feedback, Joe Ingles Inspired. Next, stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Time for the feedback of the day, brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $359 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. Joe Ingles tweeting at us today, PK, and man, did he set the internet on fire with this one. The Twitter, the Twitterverse blowing up. First time listening to David DJ James and PK Kinahan without myself on the show. Man, I really make them who they are. (laughs) Well, that doesn't make any sense, Joe, because you don't listen to the show when you're on. Uh, Brett, it's true, though. Kevin, he's got a gif of Donovan smiling and nodding, like in something he's seeing on the court. Uh, basketball John at Trooper Brown has a Will Ferrell head nodding agreed. I took down my poster of Joe Ingles this morning. <laughs> Jeremy has my favorite. He's got Quinn almost smirking. It looks like he's at the ESPYs of all things. Funny, huh? Given that the ESPYs were last night. I watched every second of the ESPYs. David Locke once said, anybody can do sports talk radio one day a week. The games are so good, the show does itself. Everybody has a bad show. It's what you do with the other three that defines your career. Deep words from David Locke. We can talk to him about that when he's on on Friday. But he did not say that during a pandemic. Really, right? We do this uh, Zoom call with the college roommates, which we were doing every week, but we found out we're pretty boring and there's nothing to talk about every week. So we bumped it back to every other week and I hope there'll be something to talk about. And that was one of the first things. Hey, what are you guys doing for Sports Talk Radio and all those TV shows you do? <laughs> hey. That's true, yeah. You, you come up with something. We don't go to color bars. That's the one thing. We don't just put the tone out on the radio. Beep, beep. I got that as recently as last night. It's been a challenge, but, you know, it's a challenge all the time because you just can't come up and 
rehash some game in great detail, particularly when you're speaking to an audience that's fans of teams. And most fans don't want to rehash losses. Yep. They'll, they'll rehash wins yep. forever and ever. Yep. <laughs> 100%. But if the team loses, you know, they're not really involved in that. So you just can't come down and have that and rehash a loss all the time. So it's a challenge in that respect no matter what's going on. It's more of a – I don't know if it's more of a challenge, but it's definitely a different kind of challenge now. You have to come up with some stuff. And I think there's been enough stuff that things are out there. Now, it's maybe stuff I'd prefer not to talk about all these social issues. But nevertheless, those are important things. And I think we're being negligent and not talking about them. And the one thing that I've recognized is I don't have any answers to this social stuff that's going on. Don't look for me to provide solutions. I can provide commentary, but I don't necessarily have answers. Oh, let's do this, and we'll take care of that. I don't know that anybody does, whoever that might be, and I certainly don't have any. But nevertheless, we comment on it, and we talk about it. I don't see any problem in doing that. I think that uh, some people have some answers and some ideas, Uh, but there's just this, uh, knowledge that there's even more out there, you know, and, and how quickly can you possibly move through it? You know, how fast some of it's, some of it's personal, some of it's interpersonal, but some of it is, uh, political and beyond our control, you know, laws passed and all that kind of stuff. You know, how you, how you treat someone next door or down the street or at school or at work, that's in your control. You know, that's the stuff that you can control. Um, well, if they can do stuff for me, I treat them very well. <laughs> Thank you, PK. And let me just say this. The morning after the presidential election, I'll have some strong thoughts depending on what happens. Uh, last word goes to Joe. Thank you. Thank you, DJ and PK, for having Coach Cleveland on. Great words of advice for each of us. Three exclamation points. So Joe really liked having Steve I agree. on. Yep. All right, if you, uh, if, you miss, if you missed that interview or anything else during the show, it's all up at 1280thezone.com. Yach posts it all. It's also available wherever you get podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, wherever. All right, we are out of time. We'll see you tomorrow, 6 to 10. Scotty and Hands are up next.